What obligations do we have to those who live in the margins of society? And how are we called to love the poor? I mean, what does that look like, practically speaking? Today we'll discuss those questions with Bob Lesneski, who is the founder of Vagabond Missions and also the Director of Evangelization at Franciscan University. I'm Father Dave Pavanka, I'm President of Franciscan University of Steubenville, and you're watching Franciscan University Presents. Stay with us. Franciscan University Presents. I'm your host, Father Dave Pavanka, President of Franciscan University of Steubenville. And today we're talking about our responsibility in, serve, in serving of the poor. I'm joined by our regular panelist, Dr. Regis Martin. How are you doing? Fine, yes. Good, thank you for being here. And Dr. Scott Hahn, welcome. You're thank well. Thank you. Yeah, Good. Sure and we, our special guest uh, today is Mr. Bob Lesneski. Uh, Bob is the Director of Evangelization here at Franciscan University of Steubenville. Some of you also know him that he's a Catholic hip-hop artist, Righteous B, which we won't spend a lot of time talking about today. Uh, but pertinent to today's show is Bob is also the founder of Vagabond Missions, which is dedicated to helping teens break the cycle of violence and uh, in living in life of the poor and how, honestly, Bob reaches out to them and brings Jesus to them. Bob is a wife. You're not a wife. You have a wife. I have a wife. And seven kids. Yeah. And I've known Bob since he was about 17 years old. So it's a great blessing to have you with Thank us you. today. Thank you. Bob, maybe just a little bit, how, how did this, your, your work with the poor, your work with those in, in the margins, how did that start? Yeah, sure. So, um, so I went to school here and uh, met my beautiful wife. And uh, the day of my last final, I finished in December, I got married in the chapel here. And uh, nine months, one day later, we had our first daughter, who's now a junior here, and, uh, you know, had had a lot of kids, but the, the, the pertinent thing is, you know, we wide-eyed, young, and didn't really know what we were doing. You know, that, that scripture, you duped me, Lord. I let myself be duped. Sometimes that makes me, you know, think of, you know, we didn't know what we were getting into. So, I, you know, I really, I wanted to do youth ministry. I wanted to serve in a parish. I, I felt, um, you know, like that was something the Lord convicted me. But I ended up in New York, and, um, you know, the pastor I interviewed there with, um, he was 74, and uh, he was about to retire, but he he had told us, you know, this is an inner city area, and you know, we have there's some issues with that. But I just thought maybe he was just older and didn't didn't really have touch a pulse on the community. But uh, you know, so we took the job, and weeks into being there, you know, we we're doing things in the parking lot is is, is a pretty urban area, but um, you know, just to pull kids out of the neighborhoods and stuff. And I mean, they came out in droves. There'd never been youth ministry at this parish, and. As they came out, all the typical, prob you know, there were there were kids that were getting gang fights, and I, I mean, there there was one time my wife was pregnant, you know, there was one time I wasn't there. There was a knife fight, and she she's trying to break it up, and that you know the, the the police would come almost every Tuesday night, and um, you know we just we were in over our heads, um, and I remember calling Bob Rice and uh, you know crying on the phone, you know, like just like I don't know what I got myself into. Um, but what changed for us was um, it, it went from a headache to, you know, like a love affair. You know, we, did, we fell in love with, um, with these kids. You know, that first year, 
we ended up doing RCIA in the living room of our, of our house. And uh, we had like 20 kids um, mm -hmm. baptized Catholic. And um, so, so really, you know, there, there was something happening, you know, not only in their hearts, but in our hearts. And I, I always say, you know, like when I'm talking to people that are applying to come work for us, I say, you know, that's when people end up doing crazy stuff, when they fall in love. You know, you, mm -hmm. you make a sacrifice, you do something wild. And for us, it was at that moment that we thought, you know, like, even though this is messy, we want our lives to count for this. Yeah. That's a wonderfully chaotic uh, story. You sort of make it up as you go along or allow Jesus to make it up for you. Right. And you fall in with him. That's an, an astounding apostolate mm. that you have taken on. What year was that? Uh, that was uh, right 2000. I graduated in December 99 from here. And so it was, it was, it was, we just hit the ground running. Mm -hmm. And um, it's really been wild to see, you know, most of the kids we work with, they're, they're not Christian on anything. I mean, some of those kids our first year were Muslim. And, um, you, you know, it's it, like now there's, there's been, you know, over 160 kids baptized Catholic, you know, like over these, these years. And it's, it's just been astounding to see, you know, how much they're drawn to the church. Yeah. Um, e even with the, the limited knowledge that they had. Well, that, that initial group, uh, what drew them to the parking lot? I mean, was it curiosity or well, I, I the think grace I, of God? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I mean, I, yes. I, I, yeah, yeah. Honestly, yeah. both. I, I think when I mean, you look at him, when you, <laughs> I think when you ask, you know, a lot of those kids, because now we've had some of those kids, you know, who have been missionaries for us for 10 years, you know, that are, that are turning around and and doing that kind of stuff with other young people. But, you know, they say, you know, I came through because there was free food and there were pr pretty girls and loud music and, you, you know, just very natural. Yeah, that cuts across any financial or <laughs> yeah, socioeconomic right. where Right, right, right. And, and like, I, I remember reading, um, I wish I could quote it, but it's something uh, that Pope Benedict wrote once saying, like, that we, we tend to, uh, encounter God in the things that are most natural to us, right. you know? And so for them, you know, m music and, right. y you know, Free like the, the kind of uh, community, you know, really like that's sure. what they were desiring and yeah. that's where God met them. And uh, we, yeah, we really weren't prepared. It wasn't rocket science. Yeah. It was just kind of- Well, I guess if Jesus had not uh, uh, fed the 5,000, mm -hmm. they might not have stayed. We picked it up right. from him, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. he set Bob, the bar pretty it, low. When you started doing this, was it this deep conviction responding to something or was it just more natural? These were people in front of you. It wasn't the sense that you'd always wanted to do this or somebody told you you had to do this, but it was just this began to develop these relationships. And yeah, it was, it, was, it was definitely a, a, a natural progression. I, I, I think for us, you know, the, the initial reason was just I, I, I needed a job. I was, I was making hardly anything, but I, I, you know, I needed right. to pay the bills and I had committed to do this job. And uh, like I said, you know, during that first, our, our first pregnancy, I, I mean, there were a lot of tears shed between the two of us. Like, what did we get ourselves into? Right. And, you know, I, I, I can't believe this is where we're at, but like I said, I, I feel like, you know, the, the movement that started happening was very, you know, very much the heart. Mm -hmm. And, you, you know, like I, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about the the, the beauty of working with the, the poor sometime and the marginalized, you know, like um, is that we, we see the face of Christ in the poor. So selfishly, I felt like I was in, in, a, in a very beautiful spot with the Lord, you know, encountering him in the poor. 
Yeah. yeah, but I don't think everybody has that experience. No. That in your point, I right, think there's right. a grace to that that you're able to look through the trappings and kind of the the messiness. You use the word. The well, you, you must have really. have married a pretty extraordinary woman. Oh, she. I, I assume you're still married. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tw- Twenty-two years in. Yeah, you uh, know, actually, I think I would trust Kate in a knife fight before I trust <laughs> her. <off>, so. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, it's one of those things. You know, I, I always, I you know, we always joke and say, I, I, I do feel like the Lord you know, kind of really gifted me with, not not the gifts, but that this was a gift that he put inner city ministry in my life because I feel like, you know, I, I don't know, there, there's a million things I would have been good at, but this is something I, I fell in love with and I feel like I, I do have an easy time connecting with kids on the street uh-huh. and, um, you know, just being an oddball myself, you know, I felt like I, I kind of related to, you know, some of the oddities of, right. you know, working with the marginalized. Well, I must say, uh, watching that video uh, and listening to those uh, testimonies, I, I would tear up because they're really quite moving. Mm. What what brought these people uh, to Christ, that they don't look like converts, mm-hmm. uh, and yet something galvanized them. I mean, in, in addition to the free food and the music yeah, and mean, the girls. Yeah, 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 yeah. They well, stayed. Well, I think that, you know, there's this quote, uh, you know, Mother Teresa, you know, the, the, the greatest poverty is to, to, to feel unwanted. And, um, you know, there, there was one time, uh, you know, we, we used to have an old school bus that we acquired and we, we would drive, pick kids up, we'd go pull into the projects, pick whoever we could fit in for mass, no liability forms, nothing, just fill, <laughs> fill up fill up the bus, yeah, pull up the church. And, um, but there was one kid I was driving back with, um, he was up in the front seat, I was driving the bus and, uh, he, you know, he's about 12, and I asked him, uh, you know, I was like, hey, wh- when's your birthday? Um, some, somehow birthdays came up, and he, he, he didn't know, and the reason why, he just said, we just, we just never celebrated my birthday as, as when I was a kid, you know, and I mean, he still was a kid, but, you know, um, I, I felt like that was a, like a snapshot of, right. you know, these kids just have not felt loved, felt wanted, so even beyond just the simplicity right. of those, the food, the music, you know, they were in a place where suddenly they're noticed, and that changed yeah. a lot. Can I ask about your backstory? I mean, did you have any experience when you were a kid with a kind of outreach that was, you know, outside of the box? Um, no, no I, I, I really didn't. I, I grew up in a suburban part of Philadelphia. Um, I, I had, I did have some good people um, that were mentors uh, to me, you know, and as I went to, to college and stuff, um, but. I, I did. I have always been drawn to um, things that are outside the box. I, I always love music and different things like that. And I and I do love, you know, in the missionary sense of the church. I've always thought I, I love the idea of God. You know, sometimes when we think of missionary stuff, we think of like God stepping into a specific, you know, Aztec culture, or Chinese culture, or whatever, whatever the culture we're thinking of. But you know, I do like. I've always been kind of. Um, uh, curious about the idea of God stepping into pop culture and, right. and using right. that, you yeah. know, to, to read. Or, or stepping into the suburbs of right. uh, Philadelphia. Right. You have something in common with Catherine Drexel, mm. who is a saint. Mm. I mean, she was the daughter of a very wealthy stockbroker, a banker, mm. uh, and the contrast to what she later became is pretty dramatic. Mm. So even the suburbs uh, can be a nice setting for yeah. sanctity. Yeah. Well, you know, the reason I ask is because when I was like 13, 14, I was in the juvenile county court system, you know, uh, Allegheny County Juvenile Court, um, five or six I think that's times. when I first read about you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My parents were reading about me too. And, uh, <laughs> I found Christ, he found me, but through Young Life, through a guy named Jack who incarnated Christ in the most 
you know, unlikely ways. And uh, when I went to college, I was triple majoring. I was way too busy, but I also got to repay that debt and get involved in Young Life, working mostly in a halfway house my first year, where all of these kids from George Junior Republic were allowed out to go to the high school on an interim basis and that sort of thing. And if you could play guitar, you could draw the crowd. And so. Mm-hmm. Relating to these kids was for me like, you know, the circle's complete. Mm-hmm. And then also um, praying and fasting for kids. I remember one guy in particular I just prayed for three weeks in a row, fasted for him. He was the ringleader. If I could get him, you know, mm-hmm. and I walked up to him in the hallway of the high school and I and, you know, invited him to Young Life and he said, Young Life sucks and he punched me. <laughs> and impulsively, I've been praying for him, fasting, oh Lord, you know. Hit him I, back. I punched him back. Oh, there he goes. <laughs> That's and then he punched weird. me harder. He had no idea how much it hurt. I punched him as hard as I could, which was like a third as hard. This is muscular <laughs> Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. You'll believe well, or else. He said some things I dare not repeat. Please. And people are looking at me like, well, your days are over, you know. And uh, I won't go through the whole thing, but, you know, uh, he came to Young Life about three months later when he heard I played a Stratocaster and we were leading music and all that kind of thing. And then a year later, he went on retreat and had the most unlikely conversion. And, you know, I look back on those times where you, you get high school kids, not, you know, in this hot spot or we would go to a party when they were drunk, you know, and mm-hmm. drive them home mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And, and to incarnate that love was for me, you know, the best part of studying scripture. Mm-hmm. Because when you see Jesus in the Gospels, there's just no box that can contain him. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't murderous. I wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, well, I was dealing drugs. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, I mean, that kind of experience just makes you realize that the grace of conversion is unlimited, not mm-hmm. only in what it can do to a person, but the kinds of people you mm-hmm. can reach. Mm-hmm. Scott, I thought you were going to finish that story saying that person that you encountered was Dr. Martin. <laughs> but I think, I think what you said I would have really, hit him more than twice. <laughs> I think what you're, what you're saying is just so important and that it's, it's what Jesus did with us, right? That right? It's each one of our stories, and I think that's what you're trying to do with that. Yeah, I'd say, you know, um, and there have been some things we've, we've partnered with um, Young Life. They, they do an inner city um, mission called New Life and um, in New York. But, you know, I, I would say one similarity, you know, if with Vagabond Missions, you know, if there was a singular obsession that we had, it'd be the incarnation. You know, we always talk about, look, this is how God did it, right? He, he stepped right. out and stepped into the mess. And, you know, a lot of times with inner city work, a lot of times when you're, you're, you're dealing with someone who's in such despair and um, you, you just don't have the answers and you don't know where to start and you don't know how, you know, but, you know, if you, you look at the example that the Lord gave us, you, you know, he, uh, you know, out of his compassion mm-hmm. stepped into the mess and that's where it starts. So, I, you know, we have a, you know, like a saying is just when in doubt, hang out, you know, like that's, that's, that's where it starts, <laughs> right. you know, and, um, and from there, you know, the Lord could work. Yeah, there's a, a great line of, in uh, Cardinal Daniel Liu, which I use as a kind of mantra, that he loved best of all that church mud splashed mm. from history, yeah. the muck and the mire. Jesus was not uh, shy or hesitant to plunge right in. I'm, I'm wondering that 74-year-old pastor, mm. what, what did he make of all this? Was he flabbergasted? Oh, uh, he, he um, yeah, it was, a, it was a, a renewal on his priesthood. Um, oh. y- you know, it, it really was a, uh, you know, he ended up staying on a few extra years instead of retiring, and it, it, it's something that over the years, you know, he would we'd call and stay in touch, 
and he always said, you know, it renewed his his priesthood just, just to see that hope that, you know, right. I think sometimes they didn't see. Because when I went there to interview, I went to Mass, and it was just a sea of white sure, hair of course, people, of you know. So I, and yeah. so all of a sudden, even for them to see young people, to right. see multi-ethnic sure. people Beautiful. showing up was, yeah. was, was a big That's deal. That's amazing. Amen. And uh, there's just a lot more that we're going to be able to talk about, so please stay with us. a lead for Urban Mission Fresh Market, downtown Steubenville. Um, there's a power in Mercy Mercy, and every week I go back, I feel more drawn to go back because as I minister to them, I realize Christ is really ministering to me. Uh, it's transformative to my own heart um, and a gift to be able to serve. Yeah, this summer I'm gonna be going to a Franciscan mission trip in Ecuador, and the ministry that we do is mainly just relational with the kids. Uh, we go to this orphanage house, and we just love the kids. Uh, we put out a retreat for them, but it's mainly just encouraging them where they are. And the reason that I do this is just, I was encountered by the Lord um, early in my life, and I just felt so loved by Him that I wanna share this, this love with other people as well. We become members of a family that originates in God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but that Holy Spirit overshadows the Blessed Virgin, so we become her children as well. People knew that when the Messiah came, that this promise would call them as a covenant people to be what? A light to the nations. And everybody is invited to walk through that door of mercy. The only key we need is the one that each one of us has. But it is my sin that opens up the mercy of God, amen? Welcome back to Franciscan University Presents. We are talking uh, with Mr. Bob Lefsnevsky about reaching out to the poor. And near the end of our last session, we were talking about the Incarnation. And one of the Franciscan themes that I love for St. Francis, the greatest feast was Christmas, because he just couldn't imagine God entering in the messiness, right? Entering and taking on flesh. And, and this profoundly changed his life. Mm. It seems to me that that's what you and Vagabond Ministries are trying to represent, that you tried to incarnate Jesus for the people that you meet. Yeah, and, and really um, in that incarnation, I feel like that's where, you know, that's where we find our source of hope. And, and it's hard because, you know, that was, that was one thing I think I had a very difficult time coming to grips with is just for us, you know, we can have a bad day and, and you could go to sleep and say, man, hopefully tomorrow will be better. Hopefully this yeah. next week it's going to get better. But they, th that wasn't a reality for, for them, you know, like they just did not, you know, experience that hope is a real thing. I remember one time I was helping a, a girl with her homework at one of our, our centers after school, and she said, yo, Mr. Bob, could you help me with this? And it was, it, the assignment was they just had to write, you know, three things they could do with money. And um, so she said, uh, you know, I wrote buy stuff, but what else can I, and I said, well, what about um, travel or, or go to college? Or I was just trying to give her some other yeah. ideas. And this other girl came in from the other room and she's like, Bob, she's like, stop, she's like, she ain't never gonna do nothing with her life. You know, she's not going to travel or go to school. And, you know, I realized, like, after discussion with some of the other uh, missionaries that, that day, that for so many of them, you know, like, hope is, is not a reality. And, and they have lived this experience of despair 
for generations. Because mm -hmm. a lot of times with the poor, you know, their generations are a lot shorter than ours, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's possible that, you know, one, you know, a family has lived in the same project house for four or five generations because, I mean, I, I've, I've had multiple girls come in preg pregnant yeah, at 12, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. One, one girl, she said, well, she's pregnant at 12, but, I, you know, I had her at 13, you know? So, you, you, I mean, you're looking at how quickly and how stitched into, like, the fabric of their lives despair comes. It's, it's a really hard thing. So I, I think the incarnation for a lot of them is it's just it's that, about hope. Honestly, Bob, just that image of, of living without hope. I remember uh, Father Ron Manicki, Friar used to be at the university. He said we can live, I don't know, how many days without food, mm -hmm. how many days without water, oxygen, but we can't live without hope. Mm -hmm. So imagine being struggling and, and not having the hope. And Now, you started to bring light into that Vagabond Mission School. Can you talk a little bit about what that program is and, and, and what yeah, that Yeah, yeah, like? sure. So, um, like I said, we start off on a very natural level. We see that the model uh, that the Lord gave us was that... Okay, just real quick, what is us? What is Vagabond Okay, Missions? okay. So, Vagabond Missions, um, we're in multiple cities around the country, and... Um, in each of those cities, we have a center. Um, sometimes that center is a church basement. Sometimes it's an old bar. Okay. You know? um, but it's, it's a building. It's a safe place that they can come after school. Um, almost every day of the week, we serve a meal there. Um, sometimes at night, there's RCIA. So sometimes have, there's a Bible many, study. How many missionaries would be in each um, site? So in each site, there's... Um, Three to five. Okay. Four is probably the average. Right now, we have almost 50 missionaries okay. um, on staff with us, and um, those missionaries, most of the time, they're they're uh, post graduates from from college, okay. and they uh, and they commit to one year uh, to serving the poor. And um, mo most of the time, I, I'd, I'd say you know probably 70% sign on for at least another year, but um, they they give one year to serve the poor. They live in community, um, so the the male missionaries and, and the female missionaries they they live in community. We have a a rule of life, so there's, there's a way that we, we pray. Um, and then we try and invite them into um, that, that family, that, that kind of community. Mm -hmm. And um, so it happens, like I said, very simply, sometimes through meals, sometimes as specific as RCIA, which we call Jesus class. Uh, we just try and call everything very, very simply because, you know, like the context. So our patron saint is St. Isaac Jogues because oh. I, I think of how hard, the, you know, this guy is a French Jesuit priest, you know, coming to speak to Native American, you know, like right. he didn't have yeah. the internet to learn the language or the culture, right. you know, but here he is trying to, you know, figure out a way to, to share yeah, the Lord. Right, right. And um, so, you know, sometimes there is that reality of they don't know, you know, I, there was a, a kid uh, just two years ago, um, he left his hat at our center and we had to enter through the church um, itself. And so the lights were off and there was just one light on the crucifix. And, um, and he, he said, what's that, you know? Um, and it was, you know, he had seen it before. So he had never seen a crucifix, but like he, he never heard the story. And it, so our missionary sat down with him, explained. He didn't, you know, give his life to the Lord that night, but, but it, it, it just gives a little context of, you know, there's a lot of foundational blocks that are missing. And so something simple like Jesus class or, you know, a youth group night where they just hear a two-minute um, invitation of the Lord's love, you know, mm -hmm. or the kind of things that we build. And then uh, it's sent, the week centers around, we go to Mass, um, and then after Mass we have what's called a family meal where, you know, it might be the only, you know, real family-style meal they have that week where we, we pass food to each other, we look at each other, we talk to each other. Um, and so it's a lot of conversion through not rocket science, right, just, right, right. just, just being present. Yeah, yeah. So. And, and the staff, uh, the volunteers that you uh, enlist, do they receive a stipend or... Yeah, so they, they do receive um, a stipend. They, um, 
you know, part, part of like one of our pillars is is solidarity, you know, and so uh, obviously like that can't be mirrored completely because a lot of them have lived uh, marginalized for so many years, but they make a commitment to live, um, y you know, below the poverty level and also to live where they live. So the, sometimes they'll live in the project, sometimes they'll live right by it. Um, but that, that's an intentional thing, you know, so that, um, you know, we're shopping at the same stores. And so we're seeing, you know, it's not just we're calling it in or driving in a nice car right. and heading yeah. out at the end of the day, you know, yeah. but they see like we're here. Right, yeah. and, and, and the setting would not be confused with the, the local country club. Correct, yeah. I mean, correct. This is, yeah, we down had and dirty. In, in my community had parishes in inner city Baltimore, and it was interesting because there were all kinds of churches there, but the friars were the only ones that actually lived there. Mm -hmm. Most of the pastors would come in, in and out. So there's something about oh. your people being with them and living with them and seeing with them and rubbing elbows with them. Yeah, because the thing is, it's, it's not that the, the poor, for the most part, like have never had anyone do something nice for them. Right. You know, they've had, they've experienced plenty of people that have, you know, come down for a spring break mission trip, given them a balloon, you know, hugged them, bought them food, right. stuff like that. But, you know, a lot of times, unfortunately, it almost breeds a mistrust of like, you're here for the day, you're putting up right. your tent, right. but I know at the end of the summer, pictures. we won't see, right, take your right, pictures. right, here we go, yeah, you yeah. know. And um, so I, when, I, when I first started the nonprofit, I met with a, a woman who ran an um, overseas um, missionary group uh, working with poor in Africa. And she said, you know, that they had a rule of thumb that was, um, you know, anytime they went to a, a really marginalized community, that it would take anywhere from 10 to 15 years before that community trusted them. You know, so it was it was a little bit of a gut shot because you, you're like, man, I just want to go in and do everything today. Right, and it's, right. you know, but the reality is that most of the time conversion is slow. And some of the hardest kids that we've reached um, that I think at, at first glance, it'd be easy to just say, like, get these kids out of here. They're loud, they're trouble, they're fighting, they're high, they're whatever. Um, one of the ones I could think of that had one of the most amazing conversions and really gave back, you know, it was six years before he said, you know, one day he was like, you know what? I really want to become Catholic. And I, can you give me some books that I could read? You know, all of a sudden right. he was diving in, but it, it took six years, you know? And so conversion isn't just an add water, Absolutely. easy formula. Absolutely. Right, um, right. Do you share the gospel when you have these weekly meals and that kind of thing? I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to relate it to my own limited experience with Young Life, you know, where we have food, we have rowdy songs and all of that. But we also have a 15-minute presentation of the yeah club. yeah so it'd be very similar to club their yeah. their their format you know like that's exactly it we have fun we try and get them laughing let them ha have have some food and then we always and and sometimes it's more abbreviated than others depending <laughs> on uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what's what's happening um, but there's always a, a, yeah. a story of the gospel so one time we had the bishop um, yeah come do mass it was actually on Ash Wednesday and um, during <laughs> during the sign of peace. A fight broke out, you know, and we had, we had to like, you know, pull kids out back into the van. Mass was cut short, you know. So it, you, you never know exactly what's going to happen, but the intention is always that they they leave uh, receiving an invitation to God's love, you know. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah. The, the first time we took our kids to Assisi, the city of peace, uh, they insisted on bows and arrows. Uh, and so we had to buy them. So that's there's great. always that element of bellicosity <laughs> oh, in the so midst of funny. something otherwise benign. But your patron, I, I think, should be very instructive, Isaac Jogue. Mm. How long did it take him? And then how did his right. life end? Right. Pretty badly. Right, right. And there, there, I think there's a reality of anyone who's, probably anyone who's sharing the gospel. You know, I'm sure we've all had this experience with 
um, you know, people in our family or our neighbor, but I, I definitely know we've experienced it. You know, there's a lot of times where you're like, man, we're failing. You know, you, you don't always, sure, you know, it's sure. nice to sit here and share glory stories, but the reality is most days you feel like, man, I'm not making a difference. I, right. This is really hard. I'm feeling beat up, you know, but um, the reality that, you know, s sometimes you just don't know what the Lord is doing. And so, yeah, Isaac Jogues, you know, fingers bit off, end up right. being killed by the people he's working with. Right. But right. I know. part of it is also, Bob, I think, to, and, and I think you guys do this really, really well, and that is to focus on the person. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we get lost in these large, but you guys are always just looking at the person who's in front of you. They have value, they have dignity, they mm -hmm. have beauty, they're worth your time and your effort. And I think that's one of the great graces that you guys are doing is, is you know, these huge events, that's just right. not what you guys are about. You're about talking to the people in front of you. Well, like Mother Teresa of Calcutta, when she shows up mm -hmm. in, in this teeming urban uh, jungle, I mean, it's not a macrocosmic solution mm. she's looking for. No, one right, exactly, soul at a time, exactly. one leper at a time. Give him some dignity in the last five minutes of his life. Mm -hmm. yeah, amen. And I think a lot of times, like as as a church, um, you know, our, our reactionary instinct, um, it, it's seeing the the poor is um, to want to give them stuff. You know, you know, right. it's just like, well, this is easy. I could put money in the basket, I could do this. And, and it's not that those things are unnecessary, but the one thing I, I also think that was pretty formative with, with us as we, as we uh, you know, as in the conception phase was, you know, it, it's not more stuff that the church needs. The, the greatest treasure we have is to be able to share the Lord, to share, mm -hmm. you know, the gospel of God that they, they can help you. You could, you could be poor and you could still uh, you know, be happy. You know, mm -hmm. you, you could experience the, the Lord and, and, and have, you know, a lot of odds that are stacked up against you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that that is a little counterintuitive to, you know, what sometimes we think, like, well, how do I respond to the poor? Like, uh, you know, and right, right, the reality is like, we'll we talk have about such that treasure next, with that's the Lord. Yeah. Uh, one of the things you, you'll often hear is that it's because they've done something wrong. They're, they're in the margins because, just speak to that, that, the sense that, well, they're kind of there because they've made mistakes or... But that's yeah. like, like your stories that it's yeah. just, it's... Sure, yeah, I, I, I think, into. you know, sometimes we, we just haven't, um, sometimes when our hands are a little clean, we haven't completely stepped into the mess. You know, we don't realize how much the odds are stacked yeah. up against them. You know, the, the, uh, one of the first groups of kids we ever met, we were sitting in the projects, and this is, we, we had no kids coming, so we didn't know where to start, but we would just sit on this one stoop where all the kids would smoke cigarettes, and uh, this this one girl that we met, um, you know, sh she was, uh, you know, about 16 years old, and <clears throat> she had a little baby, but her story, so she was like, oh, I live with my boyfriend here who was, 14, you know, in the project. There was about eight of them who lived in this project. And uh, she said, well, I, I lived there um, with him in his room because I, I never knew my dad. When I, on my 14th birthday, my mom died of a heroin overdose. And on her 15th birthday, she had a daughter, mm -hmm. you know? And so it, it, I think sometimes like it's, it's easy when we think of, well, this is a clear cut thing. Hey, right, stop right, sleeping right, with right, your boyfriend. Right, exactly, exactly. Or do this, right, stop, stop right. um, you know? But the, 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 the mess is so complex that I think sometimes, you know, once you see the layers of wounds and hurt and past and struggle, you know, it, it does kind of break your heart where you say like, wow, this is not anything that's intentional on their, right, fault, right, you know, on their right, part, right. you know, so. Um, and I'm gonna guess you walking into that, uh, your heart as well as Kate's has been broken a million times. Oh yeah, 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 and that and that's um, that's probably the the hardest part yeah. is, is seeing you know sometimes someone be real close to to opening up and 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 you know really 
sometimes you think like, hey, why, why don't you come this way? You know, like you, your, your life is getting, but they, you know, you're, you're, you're getting them at sometimes at 16 years of disorder. Right, right. Um, and, and that's for any, any kind of evangelization. But with the poor, I think like we have to realize is like a, a lot of times, and really the marginalized, like they have a lot of missing blo blocks, you know, in right. their life. And, and all of those problems are still going to be there. Granted, they right. need the gospel, but, but we also need to meet them in the midst of that. And that's what I think you guys do. Well, wonderful. We're going to be back in just a moment. Stay with us at Franciscan University Presents. class recently from one of the fellow one of my fellow students was that before we should ever share the name of Jesus with others uh, we must know their the person's name first uh, and by getting to know them getting to love them and getting them to trust us uh, it's way more powerful to then bring them the gospel message and show them how Christ loves them what initially brought me to vagabond was seeing the kids and the hunger they had for a sense of belonging and for hope and for Jesus and what has kept me coming back every time is being able to see that hunger be filled through the radical conversion that they experience through the encounter of Jesus. Um, Vagabond is a ministry that everyone involved, they come into a deeper intimate relationship with Jesus. And it teaches us to allow the Lord into our poverty and to radically impact our life. What if you discovered a university with unmatched science, faculty, and programs? A place where you didn't have to choose science over faith. At Franciscan University of Steubenville, you'll find faith-inspired, student-focused, research-driven programs leading to satisfying careers in medicine, scientific research, engineering, computer science, and many more science and health fields. At Franciscan University of Steubenville, education is more than just a word, it's a discovery. Welcome back and thank you for joining us. You're watching Franciscan University Presents, which we record in the Comart studio here at Franciscan University of Steubenville. Our students are operating the cameras and all the equipment. Uh, members of our faculty, uh, Dr. Martin and Dr. Hahn are with us and we are spending our time with Mr. Bob Lesnevsky uh, in his ministry and outreach to the poor. So Bob, um, maybe just what you're doing is great, but not everybody's necessarily called to go and, and literally live with the poor and work with the poor. How do you do with that? And, and how do you invite people into this ministry that, that the Lord has done in your heart? What does that look like for, for the vast majority of people who are watching this? Yeah, sure, sure. Well, I mean, I, I'd say two things. Um, one, probably in most communities, I mean, definitely with us, you know, we always need layers of support. Um, one of the things that sometimes is, is, you know, anytime someone gives a pitch for a mission trip money or something, they always say, and you can pray for us. And it's, it's almost like a tagline. But the, the truth is, is there are many people, almost all of the, the young people we work with have, have never had, you know, been lifted to the throne of God before. And that, that's a wild thing, you know, that no one's ever prayed for them. So we ask for people like that would commit to pray for a certain person by name every day. And I would bet that if it wasn't with Vagabond Missions that, you know, any um, group that's working with the poor in communities with mm -hmm. soup kitchen or whatever, you know, are looking for people to support them daily in, mm -hmm. in prayer. That's a big thing. Um, 
most most uh, organizations like this, you know, can't operate without um, you know resources mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. from other people, and mm -hmm. I think that's a, a beautiful thing of the church. Um, but the, but the other thing I would say is this: is that you know sometimes you know we get inspired by maybe a story like this or a commercial with kids in Africa, and we think I have to go to Africa, or I have mm -hmm. to do Vagabond mm -hmm. missions, um, and the truth is our neighbor next door, it might not be physical poverty, it might be a, just a very desperate, you know, they're, they're dying inside mm -hmm. and uh, and we just need to look right there and say, man, I, I should spend a little bit more time, you know, mm -hmm. delving and investing into my neighbor's mm -hmm. life mm -hmm. um, because we all have those. If we, if we think of the scriptures, don't we see that? That Jesus obviously spent time with the outcast, with the poor, but he also spent time with those people of influence and, and he was available to people all around him. Mm -hmm. So that's gotta be a part of it. What I love is the holy passion, uh, not only for Jesus, but for people mm -hmm. who don't know him, you know, and to bring them to him. So you're praying and then you're taking risks. And there's a holy boldness too, I sense in you and in the whole ministry where, you know, Jesus is in control. So we don't have to be or pretend to be, you know, there's a holy recklessness where you're able to take risks mm -hmm. that just don't seem to be reasonable successes, you know, in the 70s for us, it was like a small college town, Grove City. You know, we did music. I swallowed a goldfish a couple times to get, <laughs> you know, 60 people, then 120, that kind of thing. But I mean, the inner city, you know. Yeah, our one... next show, <laughs> stick with us, folks. Yeah. The aquatic I, theme. I remember um, the fear factor for me. I, I spent one summer in the inner city of Pittsburgh with three ex-Black Panthers mm. who had been converted. And I was, I suppose, the only Caucasian for about a square a mile or two, you know. But uh, sharing the gospel with them was so hard. It was scary. And uh, it wasn't until about a month I realized that uh, taking risks, you know, even missteps, falling flat, mm. failing completely mm. was worth it. You know, two months into it, I'm sharing Genesis with these kids. They were 13 mm. and 14, you know, male and female, the two become one. And they were incredulous when I said that, you know, this is where sexuality is to be expressed in marriage. They were like, what? You know? And I mean, one kid got it, you know, and he tried to explain it, you know. But he turned around to me and said, you know, sex is like basketball, you know, it's, it's good for you, you know. But you're saying that there's something better. And I mean, it took me days to mm -hmm. actually convince them this was an option. And it but was worth everything it. in your world speaks to the contrary to that. It's just it, like this is a new revelation. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. it was exciting, but it was also frustrating. I mean, mm. so frustrating. And when I when I was done three months living down there and all of the people who were executive leaders of this outreach lived in the suburbs. I don't blame them. But I went off to college. I remember after that for my last year. And the sense that all of these students around me were studying theology and scripture, and they were so spiritually constipated, all this stuff coming in, and not even taking a risk to get it out. You know, mm. that's what I love about teaching at this place. I mean, there is spiritual constipation here as well, but it's a go ye gospel. And so to hear that our students mm. are volunteering, and not just for three months, but for a year or two or three or four, is to me not only an inspiration, but a relief because you just learn it better when you're trying to live it radically, you know, even if you can't share a lecture Amen. or a Bible story. Yeah, you know? right. And I think what you said is, is a good shot in the arm, which is probably speaks to you saying, you know, like, well, what, what do you do? I, I think one of the things that, that holds us back from, from taking those kind of risks sometimes is we think, 
I don't actually, I don't really know what to say. Or I, you know, it's, it's, right. people sometimes will say, well, you have tattoos or you probably grew up in the inner city, or, you know, I, and I, I didn't, yeah, I, I do have tattoos, but you know, like I, I think sometimes we think, well, what if I say something stupid? Or what if, what if, what if I fall flat? And it, it's, you know, I always say like to our missionaries, our volunteers, like, it's okay if you mess up, you know, right. like you don't have to have all the answers. Yeah. And, and oftentimes you're not expected to say anything, but right. maybe Just play basketball right. Yeah. Right. Or, or spread peanut butter and jelly exactly. on a sandwich. Uh, I'm, I'm always reminded of uh, the example of Lawrence, the deacon Lawrence, mm. when the emperor uh, demands that he produce the wealth of the church. Mm. And the next day he produces all these poor people. Here is the wealth of the church. Mm. Here is the real patrimony mm. of, uh, of Jesus Christ. And we're all poor. Mm-hmm. I mean, my favorite uh, writer, Flannery O'Connor, was always writing about freaks and misfits, homicidal maniacs. And her friends would ask, why are you doing this? And she would answer, because I believe in them. They are a figure for our essential displacement. Mm-hmm. We're all sort of freakish in the sight of yeah, God, think, even people think, who grow up in the suburbs. Regis, yeah. that's really powerful that I believe in them. And that's we have a population of people that's never done that for them. Their experiences that nobody has ever believed in them, that nobody's ever prayed for them, that nobody's ever lifted them up no. because they're not seen. I think one of the greatest tragedies is they're simply not seen. Mm-hmm. And, and to live a life where nobody sees us, I think is such a tragedy. Yeah, yeah that is really diminishing. Yeah. You had mentioned one of your, your uh, brother friars. Uh, you can't go five minutes uh, really without having a sense of meaning, that life has a purpose. And these kids uh, obviously don't have one, but that's why you're there, Mm -hmm. to impart it, to give it to them, and to embody the purpose and meaning you have so that they can see it. I mean, that can be contagious. Yeah, it really can. And and one of the the saddest things is, um, you know, we we have a number of uh, uh, young people that die from suicide that we we work with. And... um, one of the saddest things is, I mean, obviously that in and of itself is is, is so tragic, but I always am amazed by that in the community, you know, no one is asking like, why did this happen? Why did they, why did they do this? You know, it's, it's almost like a given. They all know why they did it because wow. they, they just hope doesn't seem real to them, mm-hmm. you know, and they, and they don't have a, a reason to live and they, they don't ask the question because they all understand like yeah, where, where, where they're yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's yeah. very chilling. The line from Father Ron, I think is you can go 30 days without food, mm-hmm. three days without water, three minutes without oxygen, but not three seconds without Fair hope. hope. Mm-hmm. And I remember when he said that, it's just like, man, wow. that's true for a mm-hmm. lot of people. Mm-hmm. And, and you're right, we're, we're, ve- we're very rich, you know, um, I, I think overfed, spiritually constipated, whatever you want to say. Um, but I, I, I do think sometimes like we have to consider like what we have and the obligation that comes with that, you know, knowing the Lord. Right, right. Well, this COVID business is producing more suicides. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I mean, that's very troubling. Mm -hmm. Uh, A famous uh, French sociologist, Emile Durkheim, did a study of suicide, and he came up with a phenomenon called anomie. The people Mm -hmm. who are driven to that extremity have no sense of rootedness. They belong nowhere. They have no identity, Mm -hmm. no place, no norm. And that's what you're giving these kids, mm-hmm. and that's that's amazing. Yeah, what a difference it makes. Yeah, you're you're right, and 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 that's that's just the thing is that for all the accolades, you know, I feel like we'll we'll get you know um, doing some of the stuff uh, we we do. I always am 
trying to say, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty simple formula. You know, we're just <laughs> stepping, you know, it's just the idea of getting into the ring. You know, like the, the, the poor oftentimes don't have someone else who will get into the ring, you know, take a couple, you know, bruises and, you know, blemishes. And, uh, you, you know, so some of it is just saying, I, I don't know what to do either, but I'm just going to get into the ring, you know. Right. And, uh, and so that's, I feel like the, the encouragement sometimes is, yeah. is just to get yeah. messy. To fight with them. Uh, one of the lines I loved of, uh, the Holy Father, when he, the joy of the gospel, he says that when we break down walls, we see faces and names and stories. Oh. And it's harder to ignore a person if you know their story, if you can see their right. face. It's one thing to write a check and, and there's a place for that. But when you see somebody's face and you know their story, that, that moves right. your heart and, and I think ultimately brings us to conversion. Mm. Yeah. And, and I'm sure that's what continues to motivate you is, is knowing their stories. And, and like you said, that they don't always turn out great. Yeah. But it's still you're being present with them. It's 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 not about numbers, I know, but what are the stats in terms of RCIA and these kids coming to the church, say, here in our town of Steubenville? Um I, I know, you know, over over all the bases, like I said, it's it's you know, in into the one seventies um of kids that have been baptized and come into the church. Um I'd say probably like in our in our local um community, probably Almost half of that; those numbers came from Steubenville, right. and part of the reason for that is we have we do really do have a wealth with our students here, mm -hmm. you know, who are willing to to commit, and they, they have a real gift with uh, the kids locally here. But also, it started here. This was the first base we ever had. We're now um, our, our office and base is in Pittsburgh. We have four uh, we have four different missions. In what are the various cities that you have? So there? yeah, so here uh, we we have one base. Obviously, was where it started uh, in Pittsburgh. Um, we have four bases in all the all four corners of the city the diocese has really um been great to us uh, having us there uh, in wichita kansas we have two um you're saying in that community is a spanish there, there's one that's completely uh spanish, spanish speaking okay. um it's we deal with a lot of uh, migrant workers mostly mexican um uh -huh. uh, youth up there and then uh, we have one in uh greenville north carolina and then um, this this summer we're opening four new cities. But That's great. yeah, so um, so yeah, it's 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 been wild, you know, like see, seeing those numbers. And and you're right in that success looks very different, you know, because I'm sure you understand running a nonprofit. You, you know, you you want to be able to just lay out like here's here's all the stats and here's all the glory stories and here's stuff to make you cry and right. you know. But in the reality, like there, it's. Uh, life is messier than that and some of these kids that you know maybe they're not on the straight and narrow but like there's one boy I'm thinking of every other one of his brothers you know five brothers uh, is in prison you know he he's not you know he graduated uh, high school he did some college he became yeah. Catholic you know but he, he, he's not living a perfect life but he's you, you know like Who success is, for he's him. alive yes. right yeah, right right right, right. Yeah. and so uh, so yeah it, it's been pretty wild to, to see that um, to, to see the, the, the conversion um, rate. You know, when we first started, Bishop Conlon here in Steubenville um, really said something that was disarming. You know, he, I was talking to him about RCA and how we want to run that with, with these kids. And he said, I just make sure you don't feel like your, your whole intention is just to get them on a conveyor belt, you know, and just stamp them, you know, Catholic. And, you know, he said, like, you know, just feel like, you know, you could take your time and, and it's okay. It's a success if they come to a night and mm -hmm. they just mm -hmm. sing a song about Jesus, right. you know. Right. And uh, that, that was really helpful just to realize that, you know, it's, it's not about... Yeah. Well, the, the, the myth of, of perfection uh, can be delusion. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a, a great 
a Mexican philosopher who said that the difference between Yankees and Hispanics is that uh, the, the Hispanics are poor, but they're happy. Yankees tend to be very rich, but neurotic. <laughs> and Yankees think that life can be perfected. We know it can't, uh, <laughs> but it can be redeemed. Mm. And I mean, that's liberating. That's a breakthrough insight. Mm. You're not going to perfect anything in the inner city, but you might be an instrument of, of redemption. Yeah. yeah. And then years down the road, a person finds themselves in a situation and they remember an act of kindness. Mm -hmm. I remember a, a youth minister, we were talking to a kid one time, he said that he never experienced love before. I said, oh, come on, you've never. And he said, well, there was one time, and he just, long story, but he said uh, he was with a youth minister who was busy, who dropped everything and took them out for an ice cream cone. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I mean, this kid, when he thinks back of his experience, he said, one time I was loved, and it was because a youth minister stopped for a few minutes, took me out to get an ice cream cone. Wow. It seems to me that that's what you guys are doing, is, is bringing the love of God to them present, making that present and visible to them, and trust that the Lord's going to work out the details yeah. about how this yeah. is all going to yeah. work out. Amen. That's all we can do. That's know? great. That's great. Up next, our panelists and our guests will share their final thoughts on serving with the poor. Stay with us. I've loved working with Vagabond Ministries since freshman year. Um, I think that if Christ was on earth right now, uh, this is the kind of ministry he would be doing. And it allows me to let him work through me uh, to bring hope into the lives of these kids who are often overlooked in ministry or wouldn't have the chance to be ministered to otherwise. There is a place where education begins and faith and reason connect. Franciscan University of Steubenville's online programs will advance your career through an e-learning experience that's both academically excellent and passionately Catholic. With online degrees taught by full-time professors in theology, catechetics, business, education, and other disciplines, you can earn your master's degree online without changing your lifestyle. Find out more today at franciscan.edu, where your faith and career can connect online. Welcome back to Franciscan University Presents. We've come to our final segment. So Regis, if you would share your final thoughts. Yeah, uh, I'm just filled with gratitude uh, and admiration for what you do. Uh, I mean, it's so captivating, mm. but alas, it's also convicting because it just points out how inadequate uh, my own uh, efforts have been. I mean, I just teach, talk, and write, <laughs> but you're giving an actual witness uh, uh, in the flesh. I mean, those comments from the New Testament about how can you love God whom you don't see uh, when you won't love your neighbor whom you do see. You can't escape your neighbor. But you know what? I escape him all the time simply by talking about God whom I don't see, who's pure spirit. But to witness uh, God to my neighbor, I mean, that's a challenge. And you've taken up that challenge and, and you've discharged it so well, mm. uh, so impressively. Uh, so I, I wish you uh, uh, much success. Uh, in this uh, uh, endeavor. It's so worthwhile. Mm. Yeah. Maybe, Regis, we could start with the tattoos. You and I could get a tattoo. <laughs> and the beard. <laughs> Dr. Hunt. Well, I mean, thank you for what you do, and thank you for that radical openness to what Christ wants to do, because this, to me, is what incarnates new evangelization. Otherwise, it just can easily become ecclesiastical jargon, another program, committee, or whatever. 
but to grow legs and to walk out, you know, into the world, but especially the, the hardest parts of the world. You know, it reminds me, again, of the radicalism of my experience of Jack, you know, in young life, mm. in high school. Mm. There was just no reason to, to select me. I was so destitute. And, you know, he's now got a PhD from Harvard and theology. I had no idea. He was just a student at Pitt at the time, you know. Mm -hmm. He pulled me out of the pit. And, you know, he, he, he showed me what it meant to be open to the Lordship of Christ, you know, and he parroted or he repeated that idea that the gospel is not a come ye gospel, come to our church, but a go ye go to the streets and all of that. And I, I just sense that we need that sort of openness to stepping outside of our comfort zone and not just a once in a, you know, a once in a lifetime thing, but to go back to that again and to, to be open to people coming up to us and realizing, I have no idea what I'm going to say to them. And then don't be anxious, the Holy Spirit can speak. I was just thinking about two weeks ago, these two guys contacted me. They're going to be thrown out of a Bible college. They talk about destitute. They can't graduate because they can't sign the, the statement of faith. So we just spent hours together, you know, and uh, it's just such an exciting time to recognize that, okay, we breathe in the breath of God, but we've got to exhale. We consume the word, but we've got to share it as generously as we've just been. God is so lavish with us. We've got to turn around and be that way with other people too. And so thank you. And not only for what you're doing, but especially for engaging the students here. Mm because that's what makes Franciscans so special. With all of our six kids, you know, coming through, we could see you not only own the faith, but you come to have a passion that fits your personality for giving it. Mm -hmm. In one way or another, one size never fits all. Your approach won't be for everyone, but I'm so grateful Amen. It's Amen. for your approach. Amen, and it's interesting just, Scott, that, that that individual has had such an impact on you, and it was, what, 50 years ago, 40 yeah. years? And, and we continue to have that impact, and Bob, you've had that impact on so many people. So, yeah, thank you for being with us. Your final thoughts? Um, I'd, I'd say two things, you know, as far as I think that just that I would encourage someone who was um, either inspired or intrigued today about the idea of working with the poor, um, if, if you need a reason. <clears throat> you know, one, um, I'm not a scripture expert, but, you know, when I look at the Gospels, it seems like the main times Jesus talked about judgment all came down to like if you did stuff with people that were broken you know mm -hmm. like when, when i was broken did you did you step in uh or did you avoid me um so i mean that in and of itself i feel like is is a, is a you know cold water on the face mm -hmm. of like you know i can't just be expected that the you know, the whole goal of my life to, will be to buy a lake house and die on the sofa. You know, it's right. the, the idea is that like I, I, God wants me to, you know, step into the, the mess and help him in the broken. Mm. Um, but the other thing I would say is um, on a note of encouragement, and it goes along with uh, what you were saying, um, Dr. Hahn, about um, our students being so good and helping here is, you know, this is not something new for the Catholic Church. You know, the Catholic Church has always been a champion of the poor. And that, for me, gives me a lot of hope to rest on. Um, you know, I, I have done a, a lot of, you know, teaming up with uh, Protestant groups and, um, you know, just, just different networking. And I remember, you know, just back when I was, you know, a student and even thinking in high school in the 80s and 90s, you know, I, I remember the whole idea of like works and thing. It was, it was taboo, you know, like in, with some of my friends that were Protestant. And, but now I notice like in all their advertising, anytime I go to a college thing and look at, it's all like, we're putting our money where our mouth is. We yeah. serve the poor, we do, you know, and I, I think that one of the things that's pretty neat as Catholics is saying like, 
this has always been our heart. Absolutely. You know, like you know, the, it wouldn't be hospitals or schools or all these things in the in our in our uh, you know serving the poorest of the poor in our own country if it wasn't for the Catholic Church. And so that's a really beautiful thing, and it's encouraging for me to see. You know, a lot of times I think when we look at young people, we see a lot of red flags. And we're like, oh no, you know, the millennials, the post millennials, the Generation X or whatever. You know, they they're messing everything up. Um, but the one thing that I could say you know, that I feel so confident about is this age group, the, the students that are here in college, they are a generation who wants to put their money where their mouth is. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, yeah and, that, and that's been beautiful to see that their currency right. is that they want to make their life count, and we could all do that. That's great, great. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are interested in just a little bit more with what Bob is doing, just invite you uh, to come, go online, and you'll be able to get this uh, article that Bob's written. Go to faithandreason.com, email that, and you'll be able to get more information about what Bob is involved in. Uh, thank you so much, Bob. In, in many ways, uh, you, as a university, Franciscan University graduate, uh, does my heart good, right? And, and I'm just really proud of you. As I said, I've seen you since you're uh, a kid, and just what you're doing is great. It made me think of when I was in seminary, I went to a, a talk that was being done by lots of politicians, actually. Bill Bennett was there and uh, Henry Cisneros, and there was this, and this one woman shared a story. Uh, she was actually from Denver, and she, her family, her mom and dad would wake her up every Saturday morning, and they would make two things, big things, full of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. That's what they did. They made it, and then they went down and they served it and gave it to the poor. Mm. Nothing too complicated. So she shared that story, and, and one of the individuals in the panel said, you know, that's such a beautiful story, it's really nice, but peanut butter and jelly sandwiches are not going to fix all the problems of the poor. And she said, you misunderstood. It, it wasn't merely what it does for them, but it was what it did for me, right? What my parents were teaching me about service, about engagement, about responsibility, about obligation. She said, she said me serving and making sandwiches for the poor changed my heart. Mm. And I think that that's important for us, is that my heart needs to be changed. And, and the more that I'm able to reach out to that marginalized, I think what you said, Bob, was so important, that marginalized could be the, the liberal brother or sister or, or whatever it is, right? Mm. You, you said you're challenged, and I would actually disagree. You've had such an impact on so many hearts and so many lives, and what you've done has been so wonderful. Yeah. But your, your recognition that your neighbor is literally your neighbor sometimes, right? right? And, and I think if, if nothing else, Bob, we take that we have an obligation to be able to reach out to that individual mm-hmm. and be in that. So thank you so much. Yeah. Why don't we just ask the Lord's blessing and we'll close with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the call that you've placed on our life, and we thank you for the gospel that you've entrusted us with. Jesus, that you'd continue to lead us to men and women, no matter where they are, that we could be lights and bring the gospel to them. We pray particularly, Jesus, for those who are poor, those who are marginalized, those who nobody sees, that you would send men and women of faith to them, and that you would uh, anoint them and bless them with your presence and with your love. Jesus, we ask your blessing upon uh, Bob in his ministry, that they would continue to know your peace and your protection. And may Almighty God bless us, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. St. Isaac Jobs. Thank you so much, Bob. Download a free handout on today's topic at faithandreason.com, where you can also watch past episodes of Franciscan University Presents. Or request the handout by emailing us at presents at franciscan.edu. 
or reach us by phone for today's handout by calling 800-783-6447. That's 800-783-6447.